Rocio, and I am first-generation Dominican. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and I was born in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And we are Amplifying the Afro in Afro-Dominican. Hey, Mercedes. Hey, Rocio. What's up, what's up, what's up? What up? What's poppin'? Yo, I'm mad happy right now. Really? Why? Guess. Because Biden won! Biden won! Biden Harris 2021. Come on, love. Come on, Go Biden. It's your birthday. (laughs) I'm really relieved. I was super stressed out for a second. Me too. Like, so stressed out. It was kind of a little bit scary and nerve-wracking. Yeah, super nerve-wracking. Like, I felt like, okay, yeah, he's winning. He's getting closer. But I didn't want to get my hopes up. You know what I mean? And it was just, because you never know. You never know. You never know. I mean, this whole electoral college thing is so outdated. Yeah, she needs to go. Right? She's old and she needs to die. Goodbye. Like, I want her to get out of here. Yeah, it was really scary. Um... But, you know, it was so cool just like, you know, seeing how happy everybody was after. Oh, my God. It was like, so no matter cool. what color. Right. Yep, yep. Like you had people everybody who didn't know each other. Yeah. OK. You had black, white, orange, purple, everybody yep, yep. just like hanging out with each other, celebrating. celebrating. And that was so beautiful. Yeah. It's a it's like already his message of uniting is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like getting together and uniting and getting through this as a country together exactly. as all Americans, which I'm really t- excited about. Yes. And can we talk about our female vice president? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. First female vice president. And she's a woman of color. Yes. Which is super I mean, who would have thought she's Afro Caribbean? Is yeah, is it? She's Jamaican. Yeah, she's Jamaican and Southeast Asian, right? Yep, Indian. Yeah, and both parents are immigrants. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I guess technically everyone's an immigrant except for Native Americans, but still, it's like a recent immigrant. She's first generation. Yeah, which is so so dope. You know, it's really really cool. I'm I'm really excited about what's I'm looking forward to um the next few years and I'm just like in my head I, I'm gonna be honest I'm like all right Biden you won now don't fuck it up you know <laughs> like so RuPaul fuck, says don't, don't fuck, fuck it, it up. up yeah exactly <laughs> and I'm also going to oh wait be, but wait he can't ha- he can't fuck it up any more than than our last president that's did. true I but mean, it's like there's a lot of shit we gotta we gotta get in he's just doing cleanup Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of cleanup. There's a lot of cleanup. And what I mean by don't fuck it up. And it's not just him. It's us, too. Like, we got to remember kind of like what Hennis has said on the episode. Local elections is important just because we got a dope ass president now. Finally, doesn't mean that we have to, like, chill and, like, do nothing, like, still participate in your local elections, like, still focus on the candidates that are out there. Because I know for New York City, at least city council, I think a whole bunch of seats are going to be available mm, so we mm-hmm. can have a whole brand new city council. And that's really, really important Yes, to know who we elect in our cities to take care of it. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like the small and they, and they appoint our judges, our local like Supreme court judges of New York or whatever state you're in. So local is also really important. And we have to focus on that the next couple of years as well. Absolutely. 
Yeah, but I'm excited. So yeah, I'm excited too. And like you said, you know, like let's continue with this energy of excitement. We mm-hmm. we've been through a lot this year. Like oh 2020 God. has been like Ugh. fucking insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So at least we're ending the year on a great note mm-hmm. and you know, refreshing, resetting. Resetting. And you know, let's continue on with that vibe and that energy and you know, stay focused. Yep. I agree. I agree. Very, very but yeah, happy. I'm really, really excited about last night. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, very happy. We have a very, very, very special guest and not only are we fans of hers, but we both actually have worked with her yes. as actors yes. and as artists. So we're super excited to have a former colleague, a present colleague, yes. and a, a wonderful actor, writer, director. Her name is Laura Gomez. She started her journey in her native country. Guess where that is? República Dominicana. Yeah, that's right. Dominican Republic. And has made a name for herself in the entertainment industry here in New York for the past decade. She is best known for transforming herself into Bianca Flores on the award-winning Netflix hit, Orange is the New Black. You may have heard of it. As a filmmaker, she directed and produced three short films, that's what I love about Laura. Yeah. Us as actors, you can't be sitting there waiting for somebody to call you. My girl, she directs and produces. Uh-huh. Yes. To, so she directed and produced To Kill a Roach, Hallelujah, both of which she also wrote and stars in. Because, yeah, you got to write for yourself sometimes. Yep. And The Iron Warehouse, written by a Juilliard alumni, Hilary Bettis. She has started a project on her Instagram page, hashtag Immigrant Stories by Laura Gomez, with stories of people who migrated to the United States and sharing their journeys, struggles, and positive impact in American society. And if you guys haven't checked out Immigrant Stories on Instagram, they really are very touching, beautiful stories. Yeah, they really are. Hashtag Immigrant Stories by Laura Gomez. Yeah. And um, she currently splits her time between New York and Santo Domingo. How lucky is she? So yeah, listeners, we decided to wait to release this episode because we were just on pins and needles. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We couldn't focus on anything else but this damn election. Um, so, yeah. So, we pre-recorded this episode. Yeah. It's with Laura Gomez. And we can't wait for you to listen to it. Thank you so much for being on with us. We really appreciate it. We're super excited to be here with you and this specific topic. As yes. well. Thank you. Thank you for your patience to make this happen. Oh, it has yes. been a bit in the making. We're <laughs> so excited to have you on. Me too. Yes. So let's just jump right into it. Um, you know, we love to talk about Dominicanness and all of that, and immigration <laughs> is the topic that we're going to talk about today. So we wanted to just start off by talking about your upbringing. You know, I know you grew up in Dominican Republic. I did. I did. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about your upbringing? Yes. Um, it's funny because I have the kind of the opposite immigrant story. It's a it's an interesting one. My parents lived in the U.S. before I was born. My father had lived there for nine years by the time he met my mom. Then they met in DR when he traveled briefly and then came back. So I was born in the U.S. 
I was oh. born in New Jersey. Okay. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet, uh, by the time I was two, he had decided to make a leap, you know, take a leap of faith and go back to his country because he didn't feel like he wanted to raise his kids in this circumstances. He worked at a factory. They lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, kind of a factory town. And mm. he just thought, you know, I want my kids to have some sort of, I don't know, another perspective of life. And um, he had had an, about enough of, of that tough life that he was carrying, working until the wee hours of the you know, night and not barely seeing his family. And so he always tells the story that he went from making $500 a week to 500 pesos a month. Wow. Wow. To make that, take that risk because he had a vision and, and his vision came to fruition. He, he created a company that is now 34 years in, in the market. Um, amazing. This was all a part of the vision that he had. Mm. So I had the, privilege mm -hmm. <laughs> of being a U.S. citizen by the time I moved back to the U.S. at 21. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I went back. I So I never had any of the uh, experience of, of being in the U.S. at all because I don't remember anything. I remember only Dominican Republic mm -hmm. uh, till I was 21. I did know throughout my childhood, I think from the age of nine, when it was just the, the seed was planted till I was throughout my teens with this dream and this crazy thought I wanted to be an actress and <laughs> felt scary and shameful and something you don't do. And what is that? And then it was like, this is it. And so I came back at 21 and, wow. and became a, slash, a citizen slash immigrant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because... <laughs> You were raised in yeah. DR. That's what you remember. And, and, and my, my entire family is pretty much there. And yeah. I do have some, uh, some aunts and cousins in New York and who were very, very relevant in my uh, transition over there and being starting to feel a part of, you know, till, till things come to make sense. Because, you know, New York, as you know, it's yes. a big monster you have to tame. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. For sure. But that's kind of the the not in a nutshell that's the beginning of it all yeah and wow. you can i ask you did you go to um college in dr because you said 21 so i automatically think that's like the end of university years is that what yes. happened with you yeah so you did yeah wow that's really interesting that you had like all of basically childhood teenage and young adulthood in dominican republic yeah well, literally half my life so yeah. I'm, I'm wow. now yeah yeah and uh proudly say so because yeah. it's like women don't say that I'm, I'm 40. Yeah. Women yeah. Say loud and proud. <laughs> yeah. So it's half my life was in Dominican Republic. And then my, my adult life started in, in New York. I was 17 when I finished high school and mm -hmm. I wanted to move, you know, then my mother kind of like was, and which I understand now, you know, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine you 17 year old kid wants to go to New York to become an actor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We don't come from this type of environment. No. I don't have that background. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> what did I Can do? You at least, at least, you know, study something. Do you have something to fall into? And I was like, Ugh, whatever. Sure. Okay. I think deep down I wasn't ready. 17. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a very young age. I feel it was the right thing. It, it gave me those three years to just grow into it. I think mm -hmm. 17... It's New York at 17 is 
much different than 21. Yeah, yeah. for um, sure. So I studied advertising. Okay. I'm just kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love it. Of course. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. So how yeah. was the adjustment process? I'm assuming you spoke, you were bilingual already when you came here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, so I studied, I studied uh, English as a second language since the age of eight. Oh, oh cool. that's good. Yeah. I was, I was in, in English school, like, I went through all the 12 children courses and 12 there were, I don't remember where they called it from like the children. That was the, the classes, children, one, children, two, children, mm-hmm. three, 12. So I studied through from eight till I was about 16, which was much more helpful than my advertising career. Cause many of the things that I did in New York, I was a translator oh, and I've been a translator for many years oh, um, cool. from English to Spanish and Spanish to English. Amazing. And proofreader at an advertising agency. Oh, That's dope. Well, well, there yeah. you go. You had your survival job as soon as you got here. I did. I wow, did. That's really Languages. dope. Yeah. yeah. But how was the adjustment from like, like where in DR were you, where did you spend most of your time? Like, where's your family from? Uh, well, my family is from the north, so my mom is from Santiago, and my dad is from a place called Puerto Plata. Uh-huh. Neither of them from Hanico and, and Navas, which, and I was born in Jersey and raised in Santo Domingo. So we were oh, okay in Santo, in Santo Domingo. Domingo yeah, capital. I'm just curious about your that. Was there any type of culture shock? Because I remember when I first went to Santo Domingo, I mean, I was super young, but like as an adult going to Santo Domingo and like when you're young, you don't realize how, you know, when the lights go out, it's actually kind of exciting when you're like eight. Because, you know, especially for me, at least I was excited because I was like, now we could put on candles and play games and da 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 da. But as an adult, I was like, whoa electricity's out like I don't know it was like more of a culture shock to me as an adult and then so I'm just curious vice versa how was it you coming back to New York what what that was like well the culture shock no not so much I I had gone through the New York throughout um, my life oh many times so I had my my grandma and my aunt lived in Jersey in New Jersey for years. So I would go spend summers with them mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Um, and I would visit New York every time. And I had cousins who I would visit throughout the years, not every summer, but you know, every other summer or, and so I knew mm-hmm. a little bit of it. And I mean, I was getting into Dominican culture. It's not yeah. like I was that yeah. shocking. So at the yeah, beginning, that's true. I was pretty much in the same environment with electricity. So that's not yeah, quite a shocker. That, that I feel upgrade. so bad saying that. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Because my shocker, the shocker was more um, about being on my own for the first time. And yeah. what that meant in terms of evol- evolution mm. um, and finding yourself yeah. uh, for the first time away from your family. So that was more of a shocker, loneliness and dealing with solitude mm. uh, for the first time. Now, <laughs> I have a PhD now. Bring me a class. <laughs> I'll teach it. Yeah. Um, but back then, that was a big monster, you know? Yeah, totally. 
100%. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like my one of my my roommates, my first roommates when I was in my 20s, she also grew up in Dominican Republic and shout out to Nadia because she listens to the podcast and we have the best conversations because we talk about how different our upbringing was, you know, like her growing up in Dominican Republic being kind of like in this specific world and then coming back into the States and the issues are a little different, you know, just her kind of unlearning some things, but also relearning but you know so we have these like interesting conversations about you know colorism and you know in Dominican Republic she was saying that like for instance when she listened to the episode on Dominican writers she was like that in in DR she never read any Dominican writers because she was in DR so she read she read Catcher in the Rye in Dominican Republic yeah that is true I mean we did read Dominican writers, I just don't think, I think you approach it differently. Yeah. Because mm. I do remember we went through Salome Ureña, Pedro Enrique Sureña, Juan Bosch, yeah. who would read it, but it, it, the, the experience is different. And I, um, it's definitely how you experience so many things, including race, and mm. it's very different. So, first of all, Having, again, lived half my life in one place, half my life in another, um, what the gift is there for me, because there is a gift, is being able to now feel a part of both very, very really, like, mm, very real. Yeah. Mm. You know, I'm a, like, I have two countries, and I, although yeah. I always say, <laughs> I lived in New York, not in the U.S. So yeah. Yes, very yes. Very different. <laughs> very different. There is a distinction. But, <laughs> No, but you learn so much about the culture overall. Um, and what I did, both they both opened so many um, aspects and, and, uh, and layers for me and, and doors. Mm. Uh, but I always have had the, the opportunity to approach it from like an outsider who understands the inside right. very well. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a, a little bit of objectivity it disconnects the passion that sometimes is beautiful, but it can blind you because there is so much to be angry for, Yeah, you know, and when it comes, especially for uh, people of color, but especially black, you know, it's like the experiences get deeper and deeper. Um, So what I've had is um, kind of this lens to view it all with, with us empathy, but also compassion and understanding of history. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, but also to, because sometimes I've been called beige, which I don't think I am no. <laughs> uh, in terms of how I approach things. Mm-hmm. I just go like, well, I approach it from where the blind spots and what the information is being given or not, because right. that's what happened to me in my own country. So I have, I had to relearn my own blind spots by living in the U S and understanding my experience as a person of color completely differently. Yeah. That's really you know, dope. I don't know if I'm making yeah, sense. You are. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it just, it just reminds me when we talked to Anthony, when we talked to our historian and he was breaking so much down about the history of Dominican Republic that honestly I didn't know. And so it made more sense why Things aren't as black and white or clear when it comes to specific issues, 
you know, Ooh, especially hey, race I relations. Always, I, I get goosebumps because it's, it is uh, it is complex. I just had a conversation recently about that, about our complex relationship with Haiti and mm-hmm. and what um, what that is like because there's so much that has been manufactured and engineered. Yeah, just like the U.S. when it comes to race, it's not mm-hmm. as simple as it's. You we know that. Yeah, it's, it's simple and yet it, it isn't because there's so many interests at hand kind of puppeteering these things. Yeah. And here we are <laughs> humans <Yeah. laughs> with uh, in general, little access to information. Seems like we have a lot of access to information, but it's, it's also seemed to me as very um, tailored to specific, you know, responses. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah. 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 So education is limited mm-hmm. so that you don't, look outside the box. Yeah. Now I'm a, I'm, I'm a big passion. I'm passionate about education and history. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, you go and find that history. Cause it'll, it will teach us everything we need to know. I think the first time I experienced real like history was, um, I think I was 24, 25 and my mom brought me to an event. I might've been a little bit younger, because it's right before Howard Zinn died. And I, so I started learning about him because I was going to this event to meet him. And I, I finally read um, the people's history of the United States. And it was the first time, you know, and I was in my twenties and I was like, I majored in history for a while in college. And I had, I had no access to any information like this. You know what I mean? So it's very limited and I think it is puppeteered so that specific people do learn specific things so that they don't get angry or want to change or have that kind of empathy and compassion. You know what I mean? Because the more information you have, the more you connect with people, I think, in in my opinion. The freer you are. Yeah, me too. How, why would they want us to be free? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You kill the thinkers. You kill the artists. Yeah. You know, the art. Yeah. Uh, you don't let people connect. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it's sad, but it's yeah. true. And, you know, since we're bringing this up, when I just had a conversation recently. I have a pretty open um, pretty progressive family within the certain, you know, what the art can be. So I'm very proud about that. And mm-hmm. yet we are all, I think all everybody in society has so many layers and things to, and I have, again, have had the privilege of being in two countries, two experiences being both from one country, but also an immigrant and discovering, Oh, you know, you're not, I, even though I never, I, I have a very, um, uh, very lucky that my father is also very interested in history and education has always kind of taught me to think, mm-hmm. but there are things that you have to go and discover. And when you're here, mm-hmm. as Mercedes might know, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm technically white, you know, I'm considered white. It, it's funny. I never thought of myself as white, but I never thought of race, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. until I moved to New York. I never thought mm-hmm. of, of those things. I, I know it bothered me that my license had, the B for Blanca, which means like it, they wow. tell you what color you are on your license. Yes, yes. Oh. I, I knew that yeah. bothered me, but it wasn't like I wasn't, pol- I was politically conscious, but I wasn't politically active mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I don't know, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And so when you're there and you start to discover all these layers and the things that they put in our heads, 
but also how it's connected to colonialism and how it's connected to... Anyway, so we had this discussion about how we are not taught in, in, in school about how Haiti was the first country in the world who liberated itself from slavery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how it, as a nation it has been punished for it. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't learn that in school. No, I learned that no. as an adult. Yeah, me exactly. Too. Me too. And I'm like, how did we not? What we do learn is that Haiti was, you know, uh, they liberated the, themselves from France. They don't say from what, they just liberated them. <laughs> you know, they, they got mm. their independence and came to our country to take us under their power wow. for 22 years. So you, this is what you learn. Mm. Haiti you know, got us onto, under their power for 22 years. And then yeah, with a group a big of revolt. brave yes. patriots liberated us. But they never said, well, they didn't come to Dominican Republic. We were, we were a colony of Spain. Yeah. So even the language is not tailored to understand mm-hmm. those details. And I think that has a lot to do with why we have all this Um, misinformation about Mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. two nations and Mm -hmm. why our relationship is so complex. Mm -hmm. Just to put it out there, like just a little bit of the complexity of it all. That's very interesting that even in, I mean, I'm not surprised, but um, you know, I, it's, it's cool to know that, you know, not cool, but that they don't teach you that. Yeah. That they even in, even in Dominican Republic, the history, they leave that out. Yeah. Yes. It's, I, I don't think that's an, a, a mistake or no, that, no, that, that was no, it's just, definitely you know, not. <laughs> someone, some, wow. some invisible forces must have tailored that. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. because it, it keeps the division and, and, and then we think it's us. And I always think almost like, what about all those? Cause I always say, what about those first world countries that have so many interests in, in the Caribbean and all mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. specific issues and how easy it is to say, well, those two countries that they just have those issues. Uh, but how about, you know, how about how they keep their hands into the, the economy mm-hmm. and, and how it's run. And, and so again, there's, there's so much more behind. Yeah. There's reasons uh, for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not there for no reason. Do you, ever, no. do you ever see yourself moving back to Dominican Republic? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I'm in Dominican Republic right now. Oh, yeah. So, are you? Are yeah. you for real? So, yes. That's dope. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, truth is I've never left because my family is yeah. here. That's true. Um, I, I do feel I was... New York was home for, for half my life and New York gave me so much of my identity mm-hmm. and, and it made me, it's such a big part of who I am mm-hmm. in my vision of the world. I'm so grateful to those years in New York because again, diversity mm-hmm. and, and that's where you discover mm-hmm. how much more alike we are. I always say this, a great, New York is a great experiment mm-hmm. because it's like um, this utopia where, you know, <laughs> A Hasidic Jew can be right next to a Muslim sitting on the next car and and they're just coexisting. And, you know, yeah. we are all coexisting. Like people who are not, who would never find each other are with each other and just, we're just humans. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
that's a beautiful thing about New York. Then, then let's not talk about rent and class oh, division gosh. at all, because that's a whole mess. But <laughs> having said that, um, it's a very hard city. Mm-hmm. And I think what I discovered with time, it was making me hard, very hard. Mm. I was I was feeling very disconnected from myself, not from the world. I was so connected with the world that I was disconnected from myself. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I've always need, needed that balance with the art where my family is and where I always connect with nature. And I feel like um, I've always had a love-hate relationship with the art because, of course, I'm from here. So I, I get... I used to get so angry about so many issues and now I get to just use my maturity to approach them differently and Mm. just be loving of it and compassionate with the country. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yes, I'm, I'm kind of here. Uh, I used to have my base in New York and have one foot here. And now I feel like I have my base here and I have a foot in New York. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. That's so dope. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that was a goal, by the way. So I've reached Yay! my 40-year-old goal. That's, that's amazing. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that is a really, that's a nice advantage because I'm always, I was born and raised in New York. So I'm like, where yeah. can my other toe be? I have no. Then <laughs> no it's the other half. Like, like for us, you know, like, I mean, I was born in DR, but I've been living in New York so long that I feel yeah. like, a tourist when I go to Dominican Republic, yeah, honestly, yeah. you know, because yeah, of most of my family's here and, you know, I still feel like there's a part of me that I need to connect to, you know, like this strong desire to connect back to Dominican Republic. And I think it will take just really spending a lot, a lot of time there somehow in the future. Because when you said that before, I thought you were going to say that you felt like que tú no eres ni de aquí ni de allá. Yeah. Because you've been oh, in no, both. No, but it's the both. opposite. Very much from both. And yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Because so many people feel like they are ni de aquí ni de allá. Yeah. Because they're kind of like in yeah. both, you know? Yeah. Like, And I, I think the reason that happens is in your, well, not your case, because you're very much a New Yorker. I feel when that happens is when, um, I think when you are, I think because I was I wasn't like raised here for two years and then left to another country. I think what like people who are kids of diplomats, maybe who are living all over the place and they, so they never had a base. I think that mm. I had twenty years of my life. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this. Was, I went to school with the same people. I went to high yeah. school with the same people. I That's went to college, with, you know. And then it was like bam, and then twenty years of my life in New York. Yeah where I created a whole community that I feel are even more family because these were chosen. Yeah. You know, in your twenties, yeah. you're kind of finding yourself, but at 30, you really find your, your people that you choose. So you find, I have family Yes, mm-hmm. in New York, family that I chose my friends that for life. And so I think that's the, the only difference. I think that in your case, when you come here, of course, you don't, you feel different. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it because I think we, I, I was telling, <laughs> I don't know what I was telling the other day. It's like this expectation that we have to, it's a whole different experience. Yes. There's, like, there's not a one way to be. I love Spain, for instance. I, that's a, a country I go to a lot. 
Um, and, and you can blame it on colonialism, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's the same language. It's a beauty about the culture that I appreciate mm-hmm. very much. I feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a country that I don't, um, I haven't lived for years, but I've been periods of my life, like mm-hmm. two, three months at a time. And, mm-hmm. and I feel very connected to that place. Right. And, and that's yeah, fine. I think there are places you're connected to and it just is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because um, as I was talking, I just keep thinking about my friend Nadia. We were having this conversation today because she now lives in Germany. And she w- we were talking about the difference about community. And she misses the community aspect of Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. she says that in the States, it's more like individualistic because everybody's so busy. Everybody's running around. But, you know, she was just giving, you know, some examples of things where even whenever she goes back to Dominican Republic, I mean, we all know how it is. It's like this like family, like this community yeah. from our neighbors, from, you know, everybody involved that she says she misses because she was she left when she was in her 20s as well. Interesting. I I have I have a weird thing about that. Like I like it, but that's one thing that New York had a big effect on me. Mm. I like being on my own. Oh, I was oh. like, this is interesting. Okay, okay, okay. You like the space. <laughs> I do. I claim it even, and yeah. so I yeah. am very much. I love it. I can be with, and then I'm all of a sudden I have this little thing. <laughs> I got this force inside me that I need to be alone. Yeah. Interesting. And, like alone. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I love my solitude. And yeah. right now I actually am by myself because I, I had my family too long. I'm like, <laughs> I need, I need, I need to be alone. I'm sorry. I need days. If That's not weeks, hilarious. if not months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's that balance, you know, I think it's beautiful. It's that balance, you know, because you spend so much time in in the States, but like really important years where we're trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. You're trying to figure out the things that you learned as a kid and then applying them or taking them out, editing and and making friends and making families. I mean, as I've gotten older, yeah, I love New York, but I'm like, okay, I feel you on the whole feeling hard thing, you know, mm-hmm. like this it, New York does harden you. And, you know, sometimes as you get older as well, you just kind of want a little bit softer, a little bit like just for me, I want more slower. And I don't know what that experience is to be a native New Yorker. Like I have no yeah. idea what yeah. that is um, because I know there's a pride there. There is a. But so I don't know what it is, what it means for someone like you to look for another place. Like, is that even doable? Yeah, you do have the capital. Of the I world. mean, I think about it all the time. And, you know, I travel a lot. I've been to over 14 countries. And when I travel, I travel hard. Like I'm gone for months at a time. Like, you know. OK, so and I always think about these some of my favorite cities or countries but then there's always something that's like but I, can i leave new york do i want to like well, go but I, will say, <laughs> I will say that i always I, I never thought i would like leave new york i yeah. never ever in my years over there because mm. we did have a loving we did have like a marriage you know we just yeah. we just got to a point where it was 20 year marriage and we can stand each other so let's just separate <laughs> friends that's where we are right now new york okay. and i yeah but while married um <laughs> new york cheated a lot right so yeah. was, <laughs> i'll cheat on you too that's what i thought and and i always thought you know the the formula is to leave it you have to leave it to love it 
Yeah. I leave New York to love it. And as long as you do that in, in periods at a time, yes. mm-hmm. then I think that's a formula to keep your sanity, which I guess is what I'm doing yeah. right now. I, just, I think that's yeah. dope. Yeah. Leave, I like that. Yeah. Leave it to love it. Leave it to love it. Because, leave yeah, whenever we do go for, you know, long periods of time, yeah. you're like, okay, I miss it. I need to go back. Yeah, I need to go back. I'm like ready yeah. for home. <laughs> Yeah, and I also Absolutely. think it's it's a little different because like my mom's here, my both of my sisters, my sister's family with my niece and nephew. Like I have a, a also a huge support system here that I'm attached to as well. Yeah, that's hard too when Which your family's is, here. Yeah, and well, I, that's what makes a difference because that's what happens to me. My family is in Dominican Republic. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's why I said you know I've never really left. I don't know that people knew I was back and forth, but I've never left because mm. I would spend all Christmas. All Christmas is here. I never spent as long. I think this this thing about coming for longer periods started in 2016. Mm. Uh, first of all, I had a I had a horrible breakup that broke me into pieces. Mm. Oh. I think I needed a little bit of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also made a movie here that brought me over for two months, mm-hmm. and and then I I think it was the time where I was having this. Um, I guess this breakup did a lot more than just breaking up with that person, but it was a bit of finding a new identity. It was like I had a new skin and, and I felt I was losing that connection to New York. Mm. Um, and, and so I started spending much longer here and thinking, mm. well, my, maybe does that mean I'm going back to DR? Like I had never occurred to me and then all of a sudden it's like oh, yeah you want to be right next to the ocean yeah yeah like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. when it's warm you seriously yeah. like it. that's right that's dope <laughs> yeah that's really really dope immigrant stories right. which i love i love and i watch Thank you. yes how important was it for you to share these stories oh i it came organically, to be honest. So after season six of Orange is New Black, when my character is taken into ICE custody, mm-hmm. um, I got so many messages. People were really affected by this finale. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, I don't know if, who has seen it or not of your audience, but but no, I'm sorry if I'm so. It's been a long time, guys. <laughs> yeah, Come yeah. On. They should have. They should have been seen. Yeah, free Blanca. <laughs> Hashtag free Blanca. And then I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'm supposed to be taken into. I'm gonna be free, and then they take me into this path, and then I'm taken by ice, mm. which is a thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I got a lot of overwhelming responses to this. People were so affected by the journey and the storyline, and yeah. I felt one of the things that I loved was that they were seeing Blanca's humanity, I think, for the first time, because mm-hmm. Blanca was kind of like this tough cookie, also kind of a caricature at times, couldn't really see her softness. And this was a moment of extreme vulnerability mm-hmm. for this character. Mm-hmm. And that moment where her partner was waiting for her with flowers outside and she never came out. Yeah. Um, and I thought, this is so interesting that I'm getting so many responses from people who were, you know, on who were Latinos mostly, but a lot of people saying, thank you for the story. Um, I, I never saw it this way. And I said, huh, how interesting. I started talking about with a friend one day about this and she was carrying this t-shirt that said immigrants would get the job done. 
And I took a photo of her and posted it and said, and that was it. I didn't even post anything. I just hashtag immigrants will get the job done. And people were like, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and right there, I'm like, but what if I also say what my friend does? She's Dominican and she's a therapist and she works with um, abused women and people with substance abuse. And she has been uh, an incredible an incredible asset to, to American society, but she works with minorities. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and this was in the midst of the Trump administration demonizing immigrants. Yeah. So I've always thought of the arts as a healing tool um, and a way of, you know, I don't know that we change minds, but certainly affect people's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm just going to start this immigrant thing. Yeah. I'm just going to say what good stuff immigrants are doing. And and that's how it started. It was the Immigrant Stories by Laura Gomez. And I was just putting a little bit of a bio with a photo that I found endearing about these people who were my friends mm-hmm. or people who I knew who were doing some. And then I, it's been expanding for two years. Wow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's beautiful. So it, it's beautiful. Thank you. And it just became a personal pro- project. It's just a personal project. I, you know, reach out and, and, and I've had so many. So I started with Latinos and I'm like, well, it's much more than Latinos. And I've yeah. had. Mm-hmm. So like people from all the continents, all colors, all backgrounds, all religions or not. And, and I, I really uh, dig how beautiful and how similar we can be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In our human experience. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting that you, well, I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty dope and I already know that (laughs) because you just are, you know, you're a creator like all of us. And, um, yes, you are part of this amazing show. If anyone hasn't heard of it, um, (laughs) orange and, and I love that they did touch on immigration. How did it feel, which you did start to talk about how it felt to be part of such a powerful message, especially with what is continuing to still go on in this country? Yes. Well, I don't think it. it, The funny thing is this. This is not not a new thing. It's like telling black people, you you know, how old is this? Like, it's old. Yeah. This thing. Bitch, it's old. Yeah. Old. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But what has been happening is that we are now, I think we're in a shifting place and I don't think we're in a good place at all, but like everything in life, um, enlightenment can only come from darkness. So we are, we're in the dark. We are. It's hella (laughs) dark. We're going to be hella enlightened then. (laughs) <laughs> if there's anything to look up to and i don't mean next tuesday i mean like in the future it's like where we are in the dark yeah there's some light yeah it's some distant or near future hopefully near mm-hmm. oh my gosh because we really dark and what i mean to say is that when this show is a mirror it wasn't like uncovering anything yeah new. No, absolutely um but it was a gift, I have to say, both as a, as a person and as an actress, to have been given this opportunity to be a part of a storyline that was so relevant 
but it was also opening eyes because as yeah. much as we are aware of these stories, very much so, um, a lot of people aren't. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. not. Because again, and I, I kind of get it, you know, I'm a person who is always looking for, I, I was saying this, I wish I was more basic. Maybe I wouldn't suffer as much, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but we're not. But there's people who are trying to either survive yeah. or they're trying to just have some sort of happiness in their life. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not looking outside of their little bubbles. Mm-hmm. And um, I get it. And so I think this is where fiction is so important because then you have a, a, a TV show that humanizes characters that yeah. you would probably never come into contact with. Yeah, exactly. Um, and some of us who do, uh, sometimes, you know, it's a different experience. What, what happens with fiction and this show in particular is, again, that it brought a very relevant old topic to the table and made it mainstream. Yes. And I don't know how long it can take because this is just a TV show, but I never say just a TV show because so was the apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And this man is president. And here is a storyline that gave us success, quote unquote, in a, you know, this yeah. is what a successful man is. And people in, you know, I always say back then where they only have, I don't, I can't make the joke here, but anyway, <laughs> you know, individuals with limited access to information believed it. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Believed it. Yeah. And, and so I said, well, the same can happen with a TV show like this, where people have no idea that a character like Blanca exists in the world, yeah, you know, exactly. And where yeah. it is to be in prison when you didn't do anything and then be taken into an detention center and how they're these humans who have done nothing mm-hmm. illegal or anything. They're called illegals because they're undocumented. That's the only, <laughs> yeah. some made up thing. Yeah. Um, are treated like less than, like second class citizens. Yeah. And so it was it it was uh really uh, something very special. I I feel very very grateful. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done like much after that show that takes me away from Blanca, but I'm like I don't I don't really except on my personal, you know. Um I don't really care uh, that I'm known yeah. for this character. I'm, I so love it. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was a really beautiful way, um, to showcase. And I, I remember my partner watching it and also it really affecting them in a really deep way that I don't think I could have explained or anybody else who mm-hmm. has family, friends, or other Brown or black people who could p- potentially be in that situation. And I also love that you mentioned that people, forget that immigrants are all people, mm-hmm. you know, like they're Italian, they're Irish, they're, it's not just Mexicans, yeah. for example, or, right. or, you know, whatever it is, it's actually people from everywhere. Uh, yeah. and, and this quote unquote crisis isn't, is actually people like children being separated from their parents, which is a new policy that what that, that is something new. Um, you know, the, the issues with immigration have always been there. Not really but- new. And I always mention this um, because I, I, one thing I, 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 um, 
I find interesting is mm-hmm. also to understand systemic issues. Yes. And so as much as I like Obama, because I did as a human being, and, and I, I know that he had a lot of obstacles to deal with, mm-hmm. um, his administration start. you know, this happened during his, like a lot of deportations occurred during the Obama administration. What didn't occur this strategic way was the level of cruelty. Yeah. Uh, and so when I always think that it's so important for me that we, because I know that's one of the things that separate us now is like that we get this two sides, like there's Republicans and Democrats. It's like, yeah, oh. this is a systemic situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. I, it doesn't really matter who's president. If this is, this is the system is set up for it. What's really dangerous right now is that we have a government that is dismantling the institutions that protect us. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. And that was not happening under the Obama administration. What's right. really right now is very consciously and so tr- strategically being engineered yeah. is precisely the dismantling of these institutions mm-hmm. that are in charge of protecting these individuals from being treated in such a cruel way. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. really awful. Which, which is children, why we have to vote. Yeah. Yes. After we, we vote, we don't think that, oh, it's good. Oh, God, I can we go back to brunch now? No. Because it's, it's like, oh, no. no um, this is when we have now to, yeah. do, the to work. do the work. Yeah, exactly. The government that hopefully will be more available to, to, to listen. And, and, and But they still have some corporate, you know, corporate interests as well. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. One of these days, I really hope that will be over. It'll take a lot of dismantling, but I look forward to the day where yeah. we don't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, be- wait, 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 right now we need to get rid of like a pathological liar. And, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like one step at a time. <laughs> we can at least breathe because right now, not only we're dealing with a systemic issue, we're dealing with a man who who is driving us insane. So yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I'm becoming very political. Like, don't yeah, it's- political. I made it. I make everything political. No, no, no. This is no, important. actually I'm going to make it even more political. I want to I want to get more. <laughs> political yes oh wow okay i'm just curious because we started this podcast because we are amplifying the afro and afro dominican Mm -hmm. so i wanted to know if you celebrate your blackness at all or let me let me rephrase the question (laughs) i don't even though i totally get it but okay i just didn't want it to sound bad or like no i I mean no you know okay great do i celebrate my 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 african background yes heritage and if you do that if you acknowledge it and what you think about it i love the question because for me it has been pretty much connected to the same as being a woman and connecting with that feminist that I used to say, I'm not a feminist. I just believe in women's rights and that we have the same rights as men and that we are in the same place and, and we should be able to do whatever we want. I'm like, well, you, you kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> I just was afraid of the term um, until I wasn't. And a lot of it had to do with, again, conditioning mm-hmm. and the understanding of, that we have of words versus what they really mean and the actions behind them. So I feel that I have always been um, very aware of 
what this country is. Again, I've been very lucky to have, you know, my family's, my father especially is a very intellectual man. He literally taught me to think, you know, mm-hmm. that, to the point that right now as an adult, we have debates where we don't always agree on things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you taught me to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now we get to argue about things. Um, so having said that, I know that I have come, I have evolved on many issues that have to do with me in in terms of identity. I never thought about those things when I was in DR Mm -hmm. because that's not something you you kind of are, you don't have to, you kind of don't go into those places unless you have to, or you start talking or get into groups of people who think like that. Um, I do remember connecting it when I was about 19, I had a boyfriend who was dark skinned Dominican and we went to a place which happens often here and they wouldn't let us in. And it was because of his, the color of his skin. Wow. And I was, so my, my, a friend of ours, I should, I shouldn't say before a friend of ours who is Dominican, but looks like Spaniard. He's, he's actually, I think he's Spaniard descent, very light. He actually looks uh, Spaniard went in with their, their girlfriend, right? in, And then they stopped us. This is how I knew that there was, this was a racial thing and this was known here. And this was the place that was known for it. And I was like livid. And my boyfriend was like, relax. You know, I was like, no, no. Why? Tell me why. Like I was like a beast. Mm-hmm. And, and it was because the, the outfit, I'm like, he's better dressed than the friend that went ahead. Well, anyway, what I'm meaning to say is like, I knew that there were things in DR that was wrong about race and issues that we did not discuss. And then when my friend came out and said, there's something wrong. No, he just, and then he said, they're with me and they let us in. And I remember being, I could, we went in, but I was so angry, angry that what happened, angry that I went in yeah. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. This was a place that was like an inn, like a cool place to be. You know, mm-hmm. and and I was just angry, and um, and I think that was, and then again, the fact that we had the color of our skin in our license, like it's written, yes. yeah, those were things that were off for me, but I didn't understand the depth uh, of what it meant in terms of what it's doing to you, you know, as a society. Yeah. So moving to New York did that to me. I, another thing is, and, and as Mercedes will know, and probably Rocio, is that we have this relationship with hair here in DR. Yeah. Yes. So I, oh, yes. Ever since I was a teenager, even though I never liked going to the hair salon, never liked it. Never. Mm. I started because of pressure by friends, because they would say, you know, oh, my God, you with that pajon. Um, why don't you why don't you brush your hair? But brushing meant pain that they means they mm-hmm. meant straightening your hair. Yeah. And so I started straightening my hair. It went really flat, you know, because that was, that's how you look pretty yeah. with your hair, hair very straightened. I have beautiful curly hair that I love, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I started to get away from that. And it took me years. I'm telling you, like maybe five years ago is when I went like, what am I doing? Yeah. So I was 35 five years ago. I'm saying that up until I was 35, I I had a difficult 
relationship with that situation, but I didn't understand why. Mm. And so it's so many layers and things that you have to deal with. And I do remember someone asking me also in my mid thirties, did I consider myself Afro-Latina? Did I not only consider, did I say, and I was, well, I'm, I know I'm African descent and I'm Latina. I just don't put them. I just don't I don't know. <laughs> I've never yeah. thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so just to answer your question, I have always been very aware and, and very connected to my African heritage, but I do come from a country that has a misunderstanding of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's misinformation because here we are dancing merengue. We love tambora. We love all these rhythms. We love to shake our hips. We love our, you know, and, and yet we don't call it African. We don't yeah. understand that because we've never been taught that. So it took many years to, un- to connect it intellectually. Mm-hmm. And I always say, um, well, here we are as a nation, we have a, dis, a, <laughs> a dysfunctional mother, Spain, and an absent father, Africa, and here we are, we are a mess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've come to terms with, with the absent understanding father. history and, and the colonialism, and, but also not to deny any of that, because I think also, <sighs> again, talking about that anger... And all of those things with colonialism is, is, is a part of our history that we have to, I don't want to say to learn to understand. I kind of like to, what did it bring us? Well, we were, we're, we're from it to work on, on the bad parts and take what's, what it brought, which is this mixes, which can be beautiful if we celebrate it instead of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, with awareness, with awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes, I am very much um, in love with how mixed Dominicans are and, and the beauty that brings to the culture. Um, I'm just very much into understanding also the harm that it has done it in order to come to the beauty of it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and yes, I do celebrate it. I feel very much New York has uh, brought that of me that where I feel that we are a sisterhood and brotherhood of, of people. Yeah, and I, am, I actually have a friend, a recent friend, a very young friendship, but we were like kind kindred spirits. This Indian um, playwright, her name is Dipti, and I did a monologue for her that she wrote. And it's like, oh my God, you're like my Indian version. It's like, you're my Dominican version. We didn't, she's kind of my age. She doesn't want children. She's been, she, I'm told that I'm the different one. If I'm like, I'm the different one. That's how my brother calls me. And she is the different one. And we had the same kind of upbringing and environment and experiences where we have both been told in our industry. So why don't you write something? She's been told more Indian. It's like, I'm Indian. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is my Indian version of whatever you think is Indian. Yeah. And what I mean to say is that I have found this beauty that is the culture of, of my blackness, but also the 
again, I, like I said, I love Spain, the Hispanic heritage and what that brings and the mix of food and the mix of mm -hmm. culture and rhythms. And, and I just, I'm a celebrator of diversity. I celebrate diversity in every sense of the word. I yeah. don't know why people are so afraid of it. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm a big, I'm like, Oh, thank you to my African heritage for this beautiful curly hair that yes. I now <laughs> carry with all my, <laughs> with all my pride and deal with in this humid weather. Yeah. Because <laughs> who wants to be in a hair salon blowing that out, you know? Oh, no. And, again, and if you do, yes. oh, because sometimes I understand this is a very humid weather. It's yes. difficult to deal with. Sometimes I have to. But it should not be because it's what's expected or because right. it's the beauty standard yeah, that we exactly. don't fit into. That's what I rebelled against. Is yeah. Whatever is established as a standard. And I'm like, You yeah. know what? I never knew that I don't have the face for that straight face, for that straight. I don't have it. It makes me look, <laughs> it's so flat. It, I don't look good in that straight hair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I did yeah. it for a long time and I never look good. And, I, you know, I still did it because I thought that's what, yeah. you know, I was supposed to do. But I'm glad that's yeah. changed. And beauty is, beauty is so diverse. Beauty yeah. is, for me, beauty is diversity. Yeah, I, I never find beauty in things that look the same. Yeah. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. I think that's so well said, you know, um, on another note, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we talked about how amazing of an accomplishment you had you being a homeowner and how dope that is, because. Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up, you always are taught to, you know, for me anyway, I was telling Laura that, you know, it's like you have to do something with someone else, waiting for someone to do something sometimes us as women can do. Yeah. And I think it's so dope that you, you know, you posted it and you were like, you know what? You went through the whole process of what it is, both mentally and, and emotionally of being a homeowner on your own. It's interesting because some I, I'm very particular about what I make, but I'm like, I'm very open and transparent in my posts, but uh, sometimes I'm like, how much do I say? Because I don't want to feel like rubbing things into people's faces. So it's a hard time that we're living through. Yeah. And a lot of people are going through difficult, you know, um, a difficult phase and economically and whatnot. And I haven't worked in a long time. So it was, it was a big decision for me to make that uh, during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, because my, my business has been affected as well. And, and I know it's funny because I think people think or view me as like celebrity on quote, quote unquote, because of the show. And I'm like, I'm just an hour. I'm just an actor working for the next job. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And creating my own work. So it was a big uh, decision. I had been saving for this for a long time. And I mean, years. Um, and again, I was in a relationship in my mid thirties and I, we were about to move in together with the time we broke up. And that was a time that defined a lot of who my new identity was going to be. And I remember thinking, you know, for the first two years, well, what if after kind of healing from the whole thing, maybe I should just get something, but, but what if I meet someone? 
Mm. What if I meet someone and I buy it and then what? And it's so there was always this thing in the back of my head. And, and I always joke about like, oh, it's cr- I have to scratch the patriarchy all the time. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, yeah. I have to scratch it at all times. Like, what the hell? Why am I thinking that? And because it's, it's been it's been ingrained for so long that this is how you do something. You find a partner and you buy a house. Yeah. And, and I'm like, but this is not my path. This is not who I am. This is not my journey. I find that if I meet someone, they, they meet me where I am. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and so my um, investment was here in Dominican Republic. Oh, awesome. That's dope. That's really great. That's awesome. And that's when I decided, this is a, by the way, guys, this is the first time I'm saying this publicly. I'll say a disclaimer. If you're really uncomfortable, we could cut that out. Yeah, we could take it out. (laughs) No, no, I think it's it's great that it's with you that I'm saying this. Because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, again, my relationship with New York wasn't clear as a city. Um, It takes Again, I do, I do see the, the value. If I had a partner and he had put the second half, maybe <laughs> I could get a part in a place in New York that I feel comfortable in. But New York has, you have to make a lot of sacrifices in order to get a freaking one studio apartment that looks good. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. I knew that that's yeah. not what I wanted. I wanted light and sun. And I'm like, well, I know what, I know what place gives me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or less. Yes. Way, Way less. less. Way less. And... <clears throat> And I thought this is a first step. This is a first step and and I can always evolve. This was an investment that made me feel uh, as a single woman a little more secure in, into what I was where I'm going. Mm-hmm. But it's ironic to me that in 2020 I still had to deal with that little voice that yeah. was yes. questioning if this is something that you do by yourself. And I know many women have done it and I don't know whether they had this voice inside or not. I know I did. Yeah. And I wanted to confess it and say, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud to say that in my late thirties and then finally here at 40, where I am, I was like, girl, just buy that thing. I'm not thinking of, (laughs) you know, turning 40 to find that, that power that came from my, you know, yeah, my totally. ovaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, to, and to see that I have been conditioned to a certain, even me who have been living by myself for, for so long, who is uh, established, you know, an artist who have been in a TV show and all of these things. Yeah. I, who feels very empowered and, and strong, even uh, even in those circumstances. And then I could only imagine someone who didn't have that journey and, and have had more of a patriarchal upbringing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, damn, we have a lot of... <laughs> yeah. We do. Yeah, there's I a mean, lot. I mean, that's why... I think that's why it was great that, you know, when you posted that, it, I connected to it because I have that voice, you know, and I was like, we forget because we're out here, you know, in the trenches doing all these things. And then it's not until you are doing it can be something small, you know, it can be something big, anything. And then all of a sudden there comes that voice mm-hmm. again. And it does. Yes. And it comes all the time. And, yeah. and listen, I, I have I have been in a relationship. I know 
I've been married. I've been so I, all of the all of the above. I've been and and I know that if I had that partner who was that would have been great. I, I had that help. I don't judge it. Right. I think who wouldn't want some of course, help? of course. Mm-hmm. But there was something about the way it went for me that I almost think it was like some guidance from the goddesses above to say no, no, no. You are this type of person who needs to live through this alone. Yes. Mm. Because, you know, for whatever reason, that has always been my case. I, I married when I was 22 because I was in love with, you know, this Dominican guy. And it didn't work out because he wanted children and I didn't. That's mm-hmm. how, yeah. you know, eventually. So that's how I broke with the with the script. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, it's not that I wanted that to that a relationship to end. Yeah. And, and so, you know, again, I've lived certain things that are things that are where I broke the pattern and I've suffered through it. Cause I felt like, why, why do not, I have punished myself at times for not fitting in. Like, why can I not yeah. be more normal? Why do I not want children? Why? Until I went like, because yeah. Yeah. If you were a guy and you were 40 and you don't want children, People would be like, oh, he's has such a hot single guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, Mike, his single, has no kids. Yeah. Yeah. He has an apartment. What a catch. Yeah. Yeah. And he's and mediocre. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, just just think of yourself as Mike, the single dude with there no you go. kids with an apartment. You're a freaking catch. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it took a minute. <laughs> yeah. But I, I managed, I think I've managed to do my best to, to switch my mentality. Yeah, for from sure. From thinking uh, uh, as myself as, oh, what's wrong with me? To, yes. You're Mike, the catch. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, you're Laura Gomez. Yeah, you're Laura the catch. catch. What are you talking about? Fuck Mike. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, Mike. We don't give a fuck about I Mike. Know what I, mean. like, if it was Mike <laughs> I always think. I always say it's not it's not like I want to be a guy. It's, yeah. But, you know, the perspective, like the yeah. perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I, I thought it, it was so dope. With no kids and no wife, like, a, you know, or no, no husband, like a man would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's why I thought that was exactly. so, yeah. I really appreciated you sharing that. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Yes. And it's really yes. great. Yes. Sometimes I wonder like, oh, would people take it like, what? Why does he have to? I'm like, no, there's no, a point. No. I want to talk to women about this. Yes, is a conversation yes. between yeah. women. Yes, exactly. And I think it's actually uplifting for people to see, like, no, we can work through this. We can do things. You know, a pandemic ain't going to stop us. Yes. We're going to yes, keep going. A, yeah. That's a great way to see it. I also have a friend, um, maybe, you know, Stacey Enchin, because mm-hmm. Stacey Ann is like a goddess. She's Jamaican. She's and, dope. And, and and an activist and she's black and gay and i was like you should it, it, you know all the layers where you're <laughs> yeah. supposed to not exist I'm like right. oh this woman is a warrior yes, yes. and <laughs> for me a superhero and we just bought a place at the same time oh nice and mm. she's a single mom uh black you know again black woman gay Guys, mm-hmm. come on, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. And there is something so beautiful and almost you break with 
with the status quo, whatever you have been, whatever labels we are put upon because of our gender, of, of our background, when you make this type of empowering moves. And it's almost like, it's not like it's owed to you by the universe, but certainly by society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And then you claim it. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. And then you do it on your own. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. is something that is like, damn, if I just appreciate this piece of this is That's right. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> well, so, we, so our final you. question. Yeah, we have a couple of final questions. Yes. Yeah. So um, what are you touched on this, but what are three things that you love about the Dominican culture? <sighs> Um, Top the three fave. Are, we are, as, as a culture, are very happy people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, there's something, sometimes I get, again, I have a love-hate relationship with my country. Sometimes it makes <laughs> me angry that we can be more introspective. But I do appreciate that there is a way of always finding light in the darkness, you know, mm. literally and not literally. <laughs> um, there is, I think it's the sun, maybe, um, or whatever it is, as a culture, um, we are happy. And, or, or we find happiness in, in, in vulnerable situations and in sadness. We always find a way to find the happiness. Um, I love, I love, I love and need nature. Mm. And that's something I love about my country is the diversity in terms of flora and fauna that we find here. Yeah. That mm. um, we now have to work on taking care of. See, I can't be just loving to my country. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, we have to take care of the planet and take care of our country. But yeah. we have a beautiful country. Yeah. Yes. I'm so diverse. People have no idea because we kind of always post the photo of the beach <laughs> only. Yeah. But the mountains and there's places like, that are hidden. Like there's a place in San Cristobal, Cambita Garabito, which have micro weathers and it looks like Switzerland almost. It's insane. Oh, yeah. And it, you have no idea. So the diversity, the diverse type of places that we have within an island, mm -hmm. I, I, it's fascin it fascinates me. Uh, see my, my, my accent. It fascinates me <laughs> mm -hmm. um you said three did i say two yes while also, we did while just also chastising my own country <laughs> yeah. um and i love the mix i love our mix yeah i mm -hmm. love that we look we don't have one look even though hollywood doesn't get it yeah um we have different colors and textures in our hair and you know you can find dark skin with green eyes or light skin with you know we just have this mixture that i think is is a richness mm -hmm. and it, it makes us very special yes as a, as a, as a race you know here yes i love that um yeah. you touched on this also but we ask everyone anyway <laughs> Yeah. How do you amplify the Afro in Afro-Dominican? How do I do it? Yes. I, th I think I, I'm, I do it through my work mostly. Yeah. Mm. I like um, to write 
those characters that are not usually given to me or my the people that surround me. And I have been very fortunate that I'm surrounded by a lot of diverse diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I celebrate, again, the richness of this diversity. So I like to mostly do it through my writing um, and through collaboration with like women like you who are, I always gravitate to this type of things mm-hmm. where I find someone is giving voice to, to experiences or people who are not usually asked yeah. uh, or as much in the, in the forefront. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think always the arts is my way of connecting with my Afro side, with my Ooh. African side. And, yeah. Love that. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. Uh, thank Thanks. you so much again for doing this. I know it was a little we got crazy, it but we got it. We got it done. Back and forth, back and forth. Can we do this? Can we? But we found the day. Yes. Yeah, but yes. we found it. Yes. And I, we appreciate you so much. Uh, you're an inspiration. You are such a nice person. You're so lovely. I remember meeting you those couple of times and I was really excited that Mercedes was like, we got to get Laura. She was going nuts. And I was like, oh yeah, she's so, I remember meeting her. She's so nice. So I'm yeah. really happy that this worked out and, um, you know, we got to keep making this art and keep letting our voices be heard. Yes, Thank you. for Thank sure. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for inviting me. Thank yeah. you for such a beautiful, Beautiful, insightful interview. Um, I think I, I talked a lot and I talked a is lot about politics, which is maybe not. <laughs> Listen, all of our podcasts are really, we're, we're really political. We're bringing that out in people, which I love. But, yeah. but just for the record, um, it's beautiful to see you both. And I always find it beautiful to see um, women collaborating mm-hmm. together and, yeah. and bringing all this stuff there's something so beautiful but then aside from the fact that you're also celebrating uh your african side and, and you're like you know it's just um a great beautiful mix and i'm i'm happy to be a part of it oh thank, thank you, so you so much. much and thank you for calling us from dr and, yeah you know, yes. Well, yes squeezes you're welcome and, and you're invited to come over okay and how yeah. can our listeners find you what are your handles oh, yeah. on social Oh, uh, so Miss Laura Gomez, MS Laura Gomez on Instagram and Twitter, and Laura Gomez Official on Facebook. And that, those are the three main ones, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. We'll be talking. Yeah. Have a wonderful yeah. night. Take care. Be safe. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was such a great conversation. It really was. I love her. Yeah, I love her too. It was so nice seeing her. Yeah. And like, I'm so proud of her. And then so proud. She got her home in Dominican Republic. I know, in Santo Domingo. It's dope as fuck. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, that's like my life goals. I want to be like really? her when I grow up. Yeah, I love it. Like, you know what? I'll Zoom from DR. Yeah. <laughs> Zooming from DR. Like, hello. Yeah. I, it's just, it's really cool. And it's really inspiring and something that I'm proud of to, to be sort of a part of of having like this culture in the media represented how she represented represents it is is really quite amazing and I'm really happy we're just like killing it out here on these streets yeah and I love how she really broke it down like just a journey of someone who 
was raised in Dominican Republic and then came to the States, you know, in their 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. It was really informative and just like a different perspective. Yeah. And you could really see the light in her. You know, she has a lot of light, a lot of really great energy. Yeah. And she also goes through the struggles. Like she said, you know, she embraced her hair at 35, her curls at 35. Yeah. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Well, we really hope y'all enjoyed a really fun conversation with Lauda. We did. Because, yes, we sure <laughs> did. And let us know if you enjoyed it even more by following us. Yes. yes. Rocio and Mercedes on IG, RNM Podcast on Twitter, Rocio and Mercedes at gmail.com, website, RocioMercedes.com. We have really been reading every comment, every message. Yep. Thank you so much for every single episode that you have downloaded, every re- review that you have done, every share. We are so grateful. So grateful. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed it and holler at us. Any of those platforms. Let's keep the conversation going. Bye. Bye.